G'day mate, 40 here. So I found out this morning that the Oscars last night, uh, Will Smith had slapped the comic Chris Rock for making, I thought, a fairly mild joke about about uh, Jada Smith saying that uh, she looked like she was ready to star in the, the next version of G.I. Jane. Uh, to me, that's that's a pretty mild joke. And then, then Will Smith, he laughs at the joke. Right? He laughs at the joke, and then he gets mad. Like he laughs, and then he storms on stage. I don't remember seeing this before at the Oscars. I, I don't watch the Oscars, but I, I do follow the news. If something like this had happened before at the Oscars, I, I would have remembered it. And I, I don't don't think this has ever happened before. He stormed on stage and then slapped Chris Rock and then when Will Smith went back to his seat he started screaming at Chris Rock you know keep my wife's name you know, using F-bombs out of your mouth and Chris Rock was so kind and Christ-like and gentle with him I mean he could have absolutely devoured Will Smith, because Will Smith looked like such an idiot. But none of that's of great importance to me. What's what's important to me is the reaction by by the distant right. So when I was looking at the news this morning, all the the the, the overwhelming majority of the distant right reactions I saw was that this event was fake, and that this was all a setup. And it just reminds me how wildly out of touch most people are on the distant right these days, right? There's this widespread belief that uh, COVID is fake, even though we've got about 20 million dead people from COVID, but, but it's all fake. There's this widespread belief that the 2020 elections were stolen, even though we don't have any good, strong evidence for that. Uh, there's this widespread belief that Vladimir Putin and Russia are fighting on behalf of the West. Did you know that, that Putin invaded Ukraine to save Western civilization? That, that Putin and Russia are out there fighting for Christianity. But many people on the distant right believe this. I, I was looking at Steve Saylor's blog, and 80% of the commentators were just absolutely sure that this Will Smith slap of Chris Rock was all planned. It was all fake. It was it was all a setup. It's just, people who are are sure of that, right? Absolutely assured that this is fake. That this is a setup. You've completely lost touch with reality. Just like if you think Vladimir Putin and Russia are fighting for the West, fighting to save Christianity, you've completely lost touch with reality. You think COVID is fake, you've completely lost touch with reality. If you think case closed, the twenty twenty elections were fixed you've completely lost touch with reality. So people become dissidents because they, they realize that many of the things that they were told growing up and by people in authority and by people in the news media are false. And then they go to the other extreme where they don't believe almost anything that's coming to them from the news media. And then they accept uncritically things that they read on uns.com or some, some other distant source. And people have such bad epistemics. It's just unbelievable what, what people will believe. But I think it's part of a downward spiral. Like that you become a dissident and you get red pill, right? That should mean that you're more in touch with reality. 
that you know better about what's really going on. But instead, it increasingly looks like people who are red-pilled are less aware of what's going on, that they're less effective in life. It's absurd the way that almost every distant right commentator I saw on Twitter or on Steve Saylor's blog was just absolutely sure that that this was all fake and all a setup. People have lost touch with reality, right? Just because you find that the media has made mistakes or has lied to you or has a left-wing agenda, which it frequently does. The news media frequently has a left-wing agenda or frequently has a corporate agenda or it has other some other kind of agenda. It, has, it favors pronouncements from official authorities rather than from, from regular people and their real-life experiences. The news media is filled with flaws, right? The news media is frequently wrong. But if you're so convinced that the news media for all its flaws you know, is just completely missed that this is all a setup, you've lost touch with reality. Now, the Super Bowl wardrobe dysfunction, right, that was set up, right? When, when Justin Timberlake ripped away Jenna's uh, uh, Janet, Janet Jackson's top exposing her breast. That was that was clearly set up because there was there was tape over over her nipple, right? That was set up. Uh, Will Smith slapping Chris Rock and screaming the f bomb at him during a live Oscar telecast, and, and then spiraling uh, as he's done. Obviously, that was that was not set up. Bernard Brightson's in the in the chat. Bernard, I'm so glad you're here. Mentions he hasn't read Uns in a long time. I just read One of Us, the story of a massacre in Norway and its aftermath. It's about Anders Breivik. And it just so reminds me of so many people in the distant right, not that they go out and murder people, but this downward spiral that they get into. So here are some highlights from the 2015 book. It starts with a great quote by some, I assume, some Norwegian or Scandinavian whose name I can't pronounce, Jarmar Soderberg in Dr. Glass, 1905. We want to be loved. Failing that, admired. Failing that, feared, failing that, hated and despised. At all costs, we want to stir up some sort of feeling in others. Our soul abhors a vacuum. At all costs, it longs for contact. And I think this summarizes the the feelings and the strivings and the desires and the longings of so many distance, whether on the right or the left, who are unable to connect normally with other people. And so they yearn to be loved. They can't get the love. So they yearn to be admired. Can't get that. They yearn to be feared, can't get that. They yearn to be hated and despised at all costs. They must stir up some sort of feeling in others. And so one way that I think distance do that is to proclaim that things that everyone else takes for granted, such as that COVID is real, that we landed on the moon in 1969, that this is all fake. And this uh, Will Smith, Chris Rock incident at the Oscars, all fake. Just people are absolutely sure. Warrior gene malfunction. Yeah, at least uh, Will didn't beat the brakes off Chris. Will Smith is a fool, is a cuckold in a cuckold relationship, yet slaps Chris Rock for no good reason. And he, Will Smith was laughing at the joke. And then he gets up and uh, goes nuts. And Will Smith receives a standing ovation for his attack, right? Well, he doesn't receive a standing ovation for his attack. He receives a standing ovation when he picks up a Best Actor Award. Yeah, and everyone is worried about Will Smith, not about his victim, Chris Rock. Uh, I mean, so many great jokes about this. I mean, so much to to be, uh, I think, learned from this incident. But uh, the best thing I've read is in the Washington Post, the climax of Will Smith's radical vulnerability era. 
Right, the slap was shocking, but the tears felt like the end of a journey. Right, it, it was unthinkable hour for one of the world's biggest celebrities. But if you haven't paid attention to Will Smith recently, you'd be forgiven for finding his tears shocking. This, after all, is a celebrity who built his brand on being a smooth, unflappable character who rarely loses his cool. That image is what lent so much a gravitas to the famous hug scene in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, in which his character finally breaks down crying. But that's not who he is anymore. So who is he? Well, he's a byproduct of 90s celebrity culture. He's attempting something few men of his generation of movie stars have done. He's reinventing himself publicly to align with the contemporary expectations of celebrity. He once held celebrity at a distance and in high regard. That doesn't work anymore. So Will Smith's peers like Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, George Clooney, they sparsely give fans a glimpse into their personal lives. But Will Smith, who's 53, seems to have embraced this chance to err toward sharing in recent years, publicly touting his every thought and feeling with an audience that once loved him precisely because he did the opposite. Now embodies a singular type of public figure, an old-school movie star who embraces radical honesty and seems to be on a quest to exorcise his demons in public. Yeah, Chris was totally elegant pro, absolutely. Yeah, the, the Will Smith slap is getting more people to research his polyamorous relationship. Do you see in real life consequences flowing from this an uptick in acts of random violence? Well, I'm not sure I'm not sure about that. Did I ever meet the porn star Will Stiff? I don't remember doing so. It's difficult to pinpoint exactly when the shift began, but there's no question it has been a conscious decision. As Will Smith tells it, he hit a midlife crisis point in 2012, a year he refers to as the year of the mutiny. It was really the year that my family rejected the direction of my leadership, Will Smith said, explaining that while his family was successful, it was not happy. He wanted to change and grow as a person, a husband, and as a father, not merely as an entertainer. I mean, isn't that why we're all here right now, so that we can grow as men and as Jews and as uh, the inheritors of the Western tradition? So Will Smith made it his mission to enrich himself emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. He took part in more than a dozen ayahuasca rituals in Peru. He reflected for weeks in solitude. He spent years working with Michael Beam, B-O-E-H-M, an intimacy coach. Have you ever hired an intimacy coach? He began reading books by self-described spiritual teacher David Data, including The Way of the Superior Man. Yeah, I got that as an audio book. I listened to it several times. I, I quite uh, like a lot of uh, David Data. Meanwhile, he doggedly embraced social media, where he began posting everything from professional anecdotes to his attempt to lose weight. That intimate look into his life picked up speed in 2018 with the launch of Red Table Talk, a talk show on Facebook Watch in which Jada Pinkett Smith, along with her mother and daughter, have intimate conversations about their family, often inviting guests such as Will Smith himself onto the show. In the most well-known episode, Pinkett Smith and Will Smith discuss their relationship, which many people have thought of being monogamous. We broke up within our marriage and got back together again, Smith said, and we had to rebuild with new rules and something way completely different. So the vulnerability of the show apparently resonated for millions and it became a vital step in Will Smith's <laughs> reinvention. And then this unabashed earnestness, earnestness found its way into his projects. 
They still tackles blockbusters, but they fail more often than they succeed critically and commercially, such as Gemini Man, Focus, Bright, Suicide Squad. So he's begun investing more time in his passion projects. So we got Emancipation, his first movie about slavery, greenlit. He famously turned down the role of Django in Quentin Tarantino's Django Unchained because he didn't want to make a film about vengeance. In 2019, a mock trailer by Morgan Cooper reimagining Fresh Prince of Bel-Air sitcom as a serious drama caught Will Smith's eye. Now it's an actual show on Peacock, and Smith is the executive producer. And then, of course, there's King Richard. So Will Smith connected deeply with the story of Richard Williams' father and coach to Venus and Serena Williams. It says the story is just uniquely timed in my life. It reminded me a lot of my father. It was that same generation men that used to fix everything with their hands. I understood what it was like to live at the edge of survival and to try to sustain a dream. And then at the same time, Will Smith released his memoir. Have you read his memoir, Will, which came out November 9th last year? I spent my whole career hiding my true self from the world, Will Smith said. The memoir proved to be yet another example of the openness that fits a larger and more recent desire from the actor who self-proclaimed calling to protect those around him and not just his own family. So Will Smith wants to become a protector. Now, there's one passage from his memoir that may shed an uncomfortable amount of light on what happened last night. Will Smith writes about his father's alcoholism and violent tendencies, focusing on a particularly awful experience that he wrote, defined who I am. When I was nine years old, I watched my father punch my mother in the side of the head so hard that she collapsed. I saw her spit blood. When his father was suffering from cancer years later, he wrote that he was pushing him in his wheelchair from the bedroom to the bathroom, a path that crossed the top of a staircase, entertained the thought of throwing him down the stairs and of killing him. Then everything that I've done since then, the awards, the accolades, the spotlight, the attention, the characters, and the laugh, last there has been a subtle string of apologies to my mother for my inaction that day, for failing her in the moment, for failing to stand up to my father, for being a coward. What you have come to understand is Will Smith, the alien annihilating the bigger-than-life movie star is largely a construction, a carefully crafted and honed character designed to protect myself, to hide myself from the world, to hide the coward. Though in his bizarre speech last night, he repeatedly suggested that he's needed to protect those he loved. Richard Williams was a fierce defender of his family. I'm being called on in my life to love people and to protect people and to be a river to my people. Perhaps the person he uh, most needs to protect is himself. That's exactly what he's doing. That's not a partisan attack. It's true. If you doubt that it's true, watch his performance just over the past week. On Thursday, for example, Joe Biden was asked how the United States would respond if the Russian government used chemical weapons in Ukraine. Now, that's a hypothetical question. Presidents at the podium often get those. Presidents rarely respond to hypothetical questions for a very simple reason. They don't know the circumstances ahead of time. So there's no reason to risk American prestige or to terrify the rest of the world by saying the wrong thing. So they don't. Biden had no obligation to answer that question. Very few presidents would have answered it, but Biden did answer it. And here's what he said. And to clarify on chemical weapons, could if chemical weapons were used in Ukraine, would that trigger a military response from NATO? It would be. It would trigger a response in kind, whether or not you're asking whether NATO would cross, but we'd make that decision at the time. So he's closing his eyes, trying to remember what the cue card says. What's our policy? And what he comes out with is, 
If Russia uses chemical weapons, the U.S. will respond in kind. If Russia uses chemical weapons, the United States will use chemical weapons. So no American president has said anything like that in your lifetime. You grew up assuming the United States would never use chemical weapons because the United States is not a rogue state. In fact, our role globally is to suppress rogue states. They tell us that's what we're doing right now. And yet in a flash of peak, because he couldn't remember the correct words, Joe Biden, the president of the United States, reversed 100 years of American security policy in the middle of a war. This did not escape the attention of his own national security advisor, who instantly responded by restoring the status quo or attempting to, quote, the United States has no intention of using chemical weapons, period, under any circumstances, said Jake Sullivan, flatly contradicting his boss. No one who works for the president wants to do that, but Jake Sullivan had no choice. He works for a man who cannot even pronounce his own vice president's name consistently and yet is in charge of the United States at the most delicate moment in our lifetimes. But Biden didn't slow down. He kept going. The next day, his advisors allowed him to fly to Poland to, quote, rally the international community in support of Ukraine. And while in Poland, Biden met with soldiers. Okay, speaking of uh, losing touch with reality, what happened to regular commentator Monsieur? So I was just looking at his Twitter feed, and uh, it's really become increasingly unhinged. So he, he tweets increasingly, something going on with him, and eight hours ago he tweets, I bitch a lot about the unwavering faith in the regime and the blackpilling here, but let me be charitable for a moment. Okay, so he's going to be charitable now. I was loyal to the regime until it fucked with me. And I believe it was strong until I could see the cracks personally. Both happened in the past few years, so... How many of you believe that the regime is purposefully fucking with Monsieur? Right? So when the world doesn't go your way, when America doesn't go your way, when the universe doesn't go your way, when life doesn't go your way, it's probably not because the regime is fucking with Monsieur. So he says it's probably just the case that the PMC, so there's a player, player-created characters in video games who frequent this place much more insulated than I am. So it's Monsieur. He's out there in reality, but you, you're just you're probably much more insulated than he is. So Monsieur is out there on the mean streets. He's in reality, but those who doubt him, they're probably more insulated from reality. You re can't really believe it until it hits you at home. So he's absolutely convinced that the the American regime is going after him, but he's not going to take it. As for the loyalty, so pretty shocking. Doesn't sound like he's terribly loyal to the American uh, regime anymore. As for the loyalty, most of my class could blame the calamities of 2016 to 2020 on Trump. It was Trump messing with us. The spell has broken. There is only one solution now, civil war. People like me are not used to being denied. What the heck has happened to him? So he's calling for civil war. I mean, that's insane. That's an insane thing to publicly be calling for and then it's like people like me are not used to being denied everybody who is sane is used to being denied right serial killers are used to being denied they serial killers don't kill everyone who crosses their path right serial killers have to wait in line serial killers uh, get foiled 
Vladimir Putin is constantly denied what he wants. Joe Biden, Donald Trump, everybody, the most superior man, Will Smith, is constantly being denied. Any sentient human being realizes he's constantly being denied. If you're a man, you see an attractive woman, 99.999% of the time, you're being denied. You're not going to get to be with her. So if, if he has this self-conception that people like me are not used to being denied and that there's only one solution now, uh, civil war in America, he's completely lost it. And, and then he goes on, there is a plot, sometimes mentioned here as a world conspiracy, the banner thing almost every American enjoys. I know why Brent's father was going through a bad divorce and this thing inconvenienced him, so now it will be banned. This is how my class treats obstacles. I expect the next decade to become extremely squirrely. Okay, not, not sure what's going on with Monsieur, but uh, he seems to be losing it. Yeah, that's the Monsieur of Babs and, and Kyle. I have no idea what he's talking about. I don't know any details. Uh, Josh Randall says, I am the regime's sole priority right now. Yeah, if the average Ukrainian plays video games about wars, I bet they'll have the experience to stop this invasion. John says, Greg Gutfeld is everything Tucker wishes he was. Uh, Tucker's the most influential man on uh, TV. So I, I don't think uh, Tucker's filled with envy and jealousy. Rose Biden is firmly in control. Okay, so if, you, if you're convinced that there are other people out there who are much more powerful than uh, Joe Biden, then name them. Right? Ronald Klain, his chief of staff, who can who can uh, be removed at, at any moment. You, you really think that uh, he's more powerful than Joe Biden. A good article in BuzzFeed, believe it or not, November 30th, why Will Smith keeps revealing too much. With a new confessional memoir and his growing social media presence, the actor is trying to reinvent himself. Perhaps you're like me. You're waving the white flag. Perhaps... You're on your knees, hands clasped, eyes set toward the sky, begging, please, Lord, let me not find any more unsolicited information about Will Smith's sex life. In the last few months, and especially in the last few weeks, we've learned entirely too much. We learned that Will Smith and his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, have an open marriage. Yeah, open to everything but a joke. And sometimes it's hard. At some point, he wanted a harem of girlfriends. Go off. We've learned that sometimes Jada's maybe not 100% satisfied with their sex life. No, wait, she is actually totally satisfied. In fact, speaking of satisfaction, there was this one time when Smith was so focused on her pleasure that he was either going to satisfy her or die trying. This week, we learned that Smith dealt with being cheated on by his first girlfriend by having so much sex that it made him gag and at times vomit as a psychosomatic reaction to an orgasm. And it's such a drastic break in the long-established celebrity relationship we've had with Will Smith. Before we entered this overshare phase, I had to think about what we really knew about him. Now it seems I can't eject out of the conversation fast enough. That lately, Smith has been coming down to our level. He's been sharing his wounds, the things that make him human. He's been sharing his struggles with marriage, fatherhood, and body image. He's been making vaguely entertaining TikToks. He's been messy and memeably upset. He's been confessional like never before. What's this all for? Well, the obvious answer is promotion. 
soldiers from the 82nd Airborne. They're currently stationed there. As cameras rolled, Joe Biden informed these soldiers that they would soon be sent to Ukraine. Watch this. The average citizen, look at how they're stepping up. Look at how they're stepping up. And you're going to see when you're there, and some of you have been there, you're going to see, you're going to see women, young people standing, standing in the middle of the front of a damn tank, just saying, I'm not leaving. I'm holding my ground. So the previous president was often criticized, sometime with justification, for not using words precisely. You're the president. You can't just tweet out anything. That's the case you heard for four years. And again, it was often rooted in truth. But the last president never said anything that even approaches the crazed recklessness of what you just heard. You're going to see when you're there. Where? In Ukraine. So the 82nd Airborne apparently is going to Ukraine. Their commander in chief just told them that. Of course, they had no idea. Neither did their families. Okay, back to uh, Will Smith, uh, another another fool. So why why is Will Smith doing all this bizarre confessional self-promotion? Well, last November, he released a tell-all memoir. This release coincides with the peak of his press cycle for his latest film, King Richard, where he plays the legendary Richard Williams, father of Venus and Serena Williams. His performance in Richard is the best acting he's done in years. Smith has a shrewd plan, a byproduct of 90s celebrities culture. He's attempting something few men of his generation of stars have done. He's reinventing himself publicly to align with contemporary expectations of celebrity. We once held celebrities at a distance and in high regard. That doesn't work anymore. So Smith is trying to meet the moment. He is on an all-out mission to master the language of modern celebrity. Are you not entertained? So his career highs are historic, right? So since 2013, he's been plagued with a series of career failures. That was the year after Earth was released. A film co-starring his son, Jaden, led one critic to ask, is After Earth the worst movie ever made? Then there's 2016's Collateral Beauty, which earned a Rotten Tomatoes score only four points higher than After Earth, coming in at 15%. There's Focus, a movie you haven't heard of until you read this sentence. 2017's Bright. Netflix film widely panned, as was 2019's Gemini Man. And all these movies appeared like safe bets. Gemini Man was a big budget thriller. It had the backing of Netflix. So Will Smith blossomed as a star in the 90s and early aughts, stretch of time when the very idea of celebrity was at its most potent. We didn't know then, but with relatively few outlets telling us what we should be caring about or consuming, we were in the firm grip of a vast monoculture, perhaps the last time in pop culture history. Once the Hollywood machine made you a celebrity, there was little you could do to lose the title. Fame was the all-powerful currency. Reality TV was still a quirky and lowbrow offering. You want to watch real people? What's wrong with you? You cut to the decade of Will Smith's successive letdowns, Reality TV has supplanted pretty much any other form of entertainment. So in September last year, Smith told GQ that when he started posting more frequently online, he was in part inspired by seeing Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart post behind-the-scenes photos from their movies. He seemed to have found that shocking. They were doing unheard-of stuff, posting pictures from set. So this was counter to everything Will Smith had learned in celebrity school. Be composed and controlled. Never let the public see your drafts. So Jada Smith is now 
more famous than she's ever been. And the whole premise of her show is built around radical frankness and a willingness to be vulnerable in public. She invites famous people to redeem themselves through honesty and she shares her private life too. The more open she becomes, the more the public responds. So perhaps Will Smith was forced to confront the value of this honesty when J.D. used her platform to dissect their marital problems. Okay, let's get a little bit more Tucker here. Neither did anyone in the United States until Joe Biden said it live on Friday. The White House didn't even know. Fox News reached out to Biden's spokesman after those remarks, and no one there, no one in the White House seemed aware that those remarks had been caught on tape. So how to explain this abrupt change in American foreign policy? Quote, the president has been clear, we are not sending U.S. troops to Ukraine, and there is no change in that position. End quote. So for the second time in three days, the administration has to flatly contradict the commander in chief and not on a minor question. These are often written off as a gaffe. No, a gaffe is when you mispronounce somebody's name. Telling troops they're going to be sent to Ukraine, pledging the United States is going to use chemical weapons. These are not gaffes. These are something else. They're dangerous. That's for sure. So the best the White House can do is telling us, well, the president, by saying he's sending American troops to Ukraine, is reaffirming our policy of not sending U.S. troops to Ukraine. Thanks for the clarification. What else could they say? And it got even weirder from there. On Saturday, once again, completely out of nowhere, with no warning whatsoever and apparently no forethought, Joe Biden called for regime change in Russia. Watch this. A dictator bent on rebuilding an empire will never erase a people's love for liberty. Brutality will never grind down their will to be free. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. Okay, let's uh, get back to the Oscars. Right, Here's some commentary. What's up, everybody? Happy Anxiety Tuesday. I hope you're having a good day today and all is well. I mean, Will Smith, Chris Rock, I am 100% on Chris Rock's side. I mean, really? You're going to slap a guy over a freaking G.I. Jane joke? I don't care what happened in your life before this or he's been making fun of Will Smith and Jada Pickett Smith's relationship for a long time. It's like, yeah, because it's toxic. You can obviously see it's toxic. I mean, she publicly says she cheats on you all the time and Will Smith's obviously in the closet gay, which is fine. Just come out, be free, be open, be gay, be happy. I mean, it's literally the most toxic relationship I've ever seen in my life, but that's coming from me. So I'm telling you, I mean, the fact of the matter is this, is the narcissism in the Oscars is disgusting. Why we are still glorifying actors and actresses is beyond me. I mean, dude, a hundred years ago, the people would honor kill themselves and their families if their kids came out and said they were actors. I mean, it's scum shit. You're making believe you're someone else. I'm supposed to give you a million dollars. Fuck you. I mean, what are you talking about? I hate it all. I do have an audition later. So fingers crossed, I get it. Okay. And uh, that came from Nikki Glazer's uh, Twitter Twitter feed. So she's got some good stuff on here. Uh, maybe that was all Will Smith's homage to William Hurt, the actor. And uh, some of you think Chris Rock got what he deserved, but half a year ago, you were telling trans folks not to take Dave Chappelle's joke seriously. So which is it? And uh, so will Will Smith just normalize slapping stand-up comedians? I'm tripping that you can assault someone on live television on stage at the Oscars and then just take your seat and watch the rest of the show. 
Uh, Mike says, you're damn right I'd slap a guy if he made fun of something my wife was sensitive about, like a weird toes or big nipples. Reality is jump the shark. Can't believe that happened to G.I. Jane reference in 2022. Wait, remember when Will laughed at first? Yes. So Hollywood is alive and well, still doing what it does best, protecting and celebrating disgusting behavior. It's very bad practice to walk up on stage and physically assault a comic. Now we all have to worry about who wants to be the next Will Smith in comedy clubs and theaters. That's Kathy Griffin. Griffin, uh, this level of narcissism by Will Smith is nauseating. Now he's apologizing. Classic Oscar speech, forgetting to mention the one person who deserves it the most. Yeah, open relationships seem healthy. Wow. Okay, uh, Wall Street Journal. Will Smith wins the Oscar for battery. A man who became rich and famous pretending to fight space aliens committed a real act of television violence on Sunday night, and then Hollywood's finest gave him a standing ovation barely half an hour later. It's any wonder that much of America's lost all respect for self-referential Hollywood. And apparently uh, Chris Rock did not rehearse the joke that upset uh, Will Smith during, during Oscar performance. So that riff about uh, her, his wife, uh, Jada Pinkett, going in G.I. Jane 2. Doing his Churchill routine, fine. When things aren't going well at home, all presidents seek solace abroad, where they're taken much more seriously than they are by their own voters. But he couldn't stop himself. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power, Joe Biden said of Vladimir Putin. Now, set aside how you feel about Putin. You probably don't like him, and for good reason. Our policy, according to the President of the United States, is to take Putin out, to remove him as head of state. To be clear, regime change in Russia has never been American policy. And this is hardly the first time we have tangled with Russia. We've had far more threatening circumstances than this one. The United States, you'll recall, waged a proxy war against the Russian government for 11 years in Vietnam. Nearly 60,000 Americans died in that war. And yet, no American president mentioned regime change at the Kremlin. Why? Because they were soft on the Russians? No. Because Russia has about 6,000 nuclear weapons. So let's say we eliminated the Russian head of state and, of course, that country's central government. What would happen to those weapons? Well, let's see. In Iraq, Saddam's weapon stockpiles, all conventional, wound up in the hands of militia that used them to kill Americans. So Russia has a large and restive population of Islamic extremists. Okay, looking at uh, some, some jokes here by uh, Constantine. Constantine Kissin on uh, Twitter. Did uh, Will Smith learn to fight from one of his wife's boyfriends? Uh, Russia Today is about to release an exclusive interview with uh, Will Smith. He points how NATO expansion sparked the conflict. Why does The Rock love Hitler? It's possible that uh, Zelensky made fun of Putin's wife's haircut. That, that would explain a lot. Everyone has a great sense of humor until the, until the joke is about them. If I was here, oh, if I were Will Smith, I would have simply debated and defeated Chris Rock in the marketplace of ideas. Wow. 
So uh, Will Smith finally apologized today. But uh, uh, the chat reminds me that various people in the distant right did uh, believe the slap was real, such as Eric Stryker on his Telegram, Ethan Ralph, Southern Dingo, discussed it, and back issues on Tequila Sunrise. Okay, so some people on the distant right do. I just saw an awful lot of people on the distant right thinking, oh, this is just all pretend. This is all nonsense. Do we think it's possible that with no one running the country, because of course we have no chosen successor to Putin, is it possible if we did that, that one of those 6,000 nuclear weapons might wind up in the hands of some anti-American terror group and be used against our civilian population here? A nuclear weapon. Well, that's not just possible, it's likely. And that's if we were to succeed in killing Putin. What if we don't kill Putin, as apparently is now our policy? The president of the United States just informed the Russian government that he seeks its overthrow. So you have to ask yourself, does hearing that make Vladimir Putin more or less likely to use a nuclear weapon against the United States and Western Europe? Hmm, how do trapped animals behave? Well, they lash out with fangs and claws. Desperate people are dangerous people, of course. So it would be in the interest of the United States, and that's the only interest that matters from our perspective, to cool the rhetoric. Yeah, good points there by Tucker Carlson. Okay, Matt Walsh is frequently pretty funny. So here's some of the tweets on his thread. I want to hear from pansexuals with alopecia who face texturism bigotry. So people with alopecia, that means they can't grow much hair. Top of their heads have briefly become our nation's preeminent victim group. Transgenders will soon reclaim the title. All I know is that Will Smith's wife's boyfriend must be so grateful that he stood up for their woman. What we should be talking about is the fact that they awarded Best Picture to a movie nobody has ever seen and which may not even exist for all we know. And uh, just a note to white people that what happened between Will, Jada, and Chris is black folks' business tread lightly. Uh, The largest corporation in the world whose aim is children's entertainment, Disney, is publicly outraged that your kindergartner won't hear about transsexuals and homosexuality in school. So Walt Disney is outraged by the Don't Say Gay bill in Florida, which uh, prohibits uh, talking about uh, sexual orientation when you know children are in kindergarten, first, second, third grade. Yeah, and uh, Matt Walsh talks about the conspiracy theories about this incident. Will Smith, Chris Rock both agreed to participate in a stunt involving real physical violence that makes both of them look terrible. And Will Smith has kept the gag going, even willingly overshadowing his own Oscars for its sake. Totally reasonable theory. So a black celebrity walks onto stage, commits assault on live television, suffers no consequences, is handed an award, Best Actor Oscar, 45 minutes later. And this is all evidence of white privilege. So this uh, black guy, Dr. Jason Johnson, professor of global journalism says, no way Will Smith does that to a white comic if Will Burr or Ricky Gervais. He wouldn't have even been able to reach the stage. He would have been asked to leave afterwards. Speech is not violence. It's usually inappropriate to hit someone for insulting your wife. Certainly not an event you opt into attending where a comic is paid to insult famous people. Exciting news, we have a new current thing. All of the people with Ukraine flags in their bios are about to become alopecia awareness advocates. 
So alopecia advocates praise Will Smith's Oscar slap, says the New York Post, showed strength. CNN runs a five-minute segment celebrating Judge Kintanji Brown Jackson's hairstyle. She's not only changing the image of justice, but the image of beauty. The conservatives defending Will Smith might want to take a second, think about the fact that they're signing with woke leftists who believe that jokes are literally violence. Chris Rock's mild joke about Jada's haircut was the straw that broke the cuckold's back. So, yeah, all these conservatives are defending what Will Smith did. So Matt responds, you lose the right to commit violence in defense of your wife's honor after you brag publicly that she sleeps with other men. Honor is forever off the table at that point. I don't always commit battery on live TV, but when I do, I talk about being a vessel of love right after. Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis arrives at the Oscars red carpet, shows off a blue ribbon in support of the refugees. This is almost as brave as Will Smith slapping a guy and then crying because he was offended by a joke. So Will Smith apparently uh, humiliated after suffering cuckold rage. After Chris Rock mocked Jada Pinkett Smith for having a G.I. Jane hairstyle and irate, Will Smith stormed the stage, struck the comic across the face before yelling, keep my wife's name out of your effing mouth. So perhaps uh, Will's outburst was caused by his frustration at having an open relationship with his own wife. So the actor gets angry at a relatively harmless joke about her, but he's apparently okay with her sleeping with other men. Will Smith will not tolerate other men making jokes about his wife. He will, however, tolerate other men having sex with his wife. This is a man of principle. So during the BAFTAs last month, Australian actor Rebel Wilson joked that the Will Smith's best performance was being okay with all of his wife's boyfriends. Will Smith responded by trying to justify the situation by revealing that his wife kept him informed of who she slept with. There's never been infidelity in our marriage. Jada and I talk about everything. Couple is free to do whatever they want in their grown relationship. The open marriage appears to have made the actor emotionally unstable, prone to explosive outbursts, lashing out in response to having been publicly disrespected and humiliated by his own wife. A little bit. Or when you employ overheated rhetoric to do it for a reason, in the service of a clearly articulated goal that helps the United States, and not just because you're old and pissed, which is exactly what you just saw. A guy who just lost control of what he was saying because he was too mad. It's all pretty obvious. No one in Washington has spent 30 seconds thinking about what would happen if we knocked off Putin or if we talk about knocking off Putin. In fact, our foreign policy establishment spent the weekend congratulating Joe Biden on saying the wrong thing. They compared him to Ronald Reagan. Washington loves regime change. It's what comes after regime change they'd rather not consider and have no track record of pulling off. But for now, they were thrilled. Bill Kristol compared Biden's threat to Reagan, telling Mikhail Gorbachev to tear down this wall because everything in D.C. is cliche-based. Okay, let's Rick get to Wilson the agreed, quote, here. Biden did tear down this wall for you know, some people were like, oh, why are you talking about this Nick stuff still? Because the arc keeps going. Do you stop the, do you stop Cobra Kai on season two when it ends? No. You watch season three the next day from, from start to finish. 
right? Uh, thank and you we that. gave it a week break last week. But it's back in full force this week. This is the story of the week. Beardson's wife on Kiwi. Nick melting down on this show. Like, come on. And we have too much fun with it. Kito says, thank you so much. Like, dude, seriously, man. All you guys... Mad love. And again, the, the gum road links down there. A lot of content this week and it's really fucking funny stuff. So check it out. And thank you everyone who support, uh, who has joined and supports. Thanks. There we go. But let's see how Nick's doing, right? Yeah. I'm sure he's doing. Right, let's move on. Let's take a look at our super chats. And let- wait, wait, before he said his next sentence or his next statement after this one, look at his demeanor here. Okay. Well, look at his demeanor right here in this frame. Like he looks stressed. Like there's a lot of tension in him mm-hmm. and it's cause he knows he isn't getting the financial support he used to get. Look at this. Mm-hmm. Let's see what, what do you guys have to say? Let's just take a look and we'll see what, what do you have? Huh? I'm just dying to know here. Dying to know. What's the date today? The 11th? Dude, I have like no... That's a bad statement to say when you're looking That's at... <laughs> when you're looking at the Super Chats, you're like, no, it can't be the 11th. There's nothing here. There's nothing here at the dashboard. Oh. Is it the 11th? No, is it the 11th? Activity feed. What? What? Oh, Super Chats. Two Why dollars. do this? <laughs> the show with by the way not even a three dollar super chat you know bring it up bring it back five seconds we just gotta hear the richness of this statement it's so beautiful dying to know oh what's the date today the 11th dude i have like no super chats why even do the show at this point why even do super chats i get like two super chats you know what it is? It's this site. This new site is just... Oh, it's the site. Brutal, He's blaming the site. Use it. But, uh, we're, no one knows how to enter in their banking info into the, the, the text box, the field there. Hard to implement in a... Um, their PayPal, you know? They don't super to chat it. feature on the actual cozy site. It's just so hard getting payment processing. But we're working really hard to get it because I know yeah. the stream payment site is is really tough. difficult to use tough yeah but um such a hard hard site to use guys people say it's because you're mean it's because you're mean yeah that's true how uh, do you have six thousand watching read, and not one super on. chat that's insane have yeah, no, if we had because... six thousand watching we'd make like six grand in donos or some crazy shit like that. there would be comments asking me to stop reading super chats like the whole app after it was posted you're mean yeah that's true well whatever i'd rather have watch here he tries to bait for donos he does okay okay well trying to destroy my soul cripples my soul to read some of these there he is he's like it hurts my feelings when i have to read these it really bothers me reading super chats that's what you do like to try and bait donos on like ip2 or shit he was just doing it there out of desperation Probably. Now watch Boy. now watch what super chats he does get. They're just shitting on him. No. For not for being late. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me me, Bob, I'm still new and wondering uh when you might open the merch store. Would love to get an America first hat and couldn't make it to AFPAT to acquire one soon. Okay. We're trying to get payment processing. Awesome. Yeah, John Duffy. Oh, hear that. So not only is he not getting super chats on a consistent basis, but the merch store is down. There's no money coming in from the merch store. 
So where is the money coming from for AFPAC? Where is the money coming from for all this shit? My theory is it's coming from Master Milo and the fucking RNC caucus to subvert the movement to their own twisted ends. It's no wonder he's out there poisoning the well with the Russia stuff, with the incel stuff, because it discredits this movement and makes it easy for the establishment to write them off. That's what's going on. That's where the funding comes from now. Any organic funding is dead. That's what we just learned in a minute and a half. I think you're right. Now watch, now watch the super chats come in making fun of him for being late and saying that's why he doesn't get He says you don't get many super chats because you start too late for the East Coast. Oh, thanks for telling me. Madman says this show is not for East Coast niggas. They can all go oh, to sleep. Disavow. It's like 2 a.m. for people on the East Coast. Whoops. Oops. Whoops. Joe Groyper was chill. But hey, stay in school, Wait. man. Pause it. Now he's telling people to stay in school. So he's not making any money. He's getting made fun of for being unprofessional. And now his advice to one of his underlings, one of his people that helps him with the stream, is to stay in school. Be sure to stay in school. Don't do what I did. Stay in school, kids. <laughs> this guy, I meet this guy and he's like, uh, he's got this like advanced degree. He was working on another advanced degree and he's like, oh, well, no, I just like do, I help with streaming and stuff. I'm like, man, go to school. He's got like a STEM degree. He's got like a master's STEM degree. I'm like, nigga, boy, get a job, nigga. So yeah, I'm trying to push him in the right direction, but great to meet you. Good guy. Chill Groyper. Not trying to boss you around. You're older than me, but. I'm like, dude, do you know how many people would kill to have an advanced degree in a STEM Positive. subject and have that aptitude? This is him, like, he's like, he wishes that he had a real job. He wishes he had a degree in a STEM field. Watch at the end of the clip, the sigh. This the sigh of defeat that Nick gives out. Okay. I just want this look. Like, if you, if you can have that path, you should definitely do that. But hey, I mean, you know, some people want to do something else. They're so true. Whoa. <laughs> that was a himself. Like, I wish I could do something else. Oh. oh. I chose to do this, you know. Why are you three hours late? Because there's no money. You know what I did all day? I woke the fuck up, went to the uh, eight, went to the gym for two hours. Came home. Uh, I uh, I edited our 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 survivor fucking thing for for Gumroad. Finished that. Ate again. Fucking finished the voice for the new subcultured uh, iceberg video. Edited all the audio to come and meet you ten minutes later after a quick shower. Work, work, motherfucker! Like three hours late. Oh, what are you doing? Fucking rolling out of bed, eating McDonald's, fucking jerking That's off. He and then... He's having his three hour shower. Like Jaden outed him for having to have a three hour shower each day. It's fucking retarded. Oh, I'm long on trusting them. And you work your ass off too, setting up the show, the clips. And oh, all it's that so stuff. rich. It's so rich what he's about to say too, and you listen to this. I hate lazy fucks. Plan. They're so true. Like, I, like, I get it. Cause some jobs are really hard and stressful. You have the easiest job, dude. You sit down and talk about the news. It's not that fucking hard, dude. Like, I want to do something else. 
there. So true. I'm long on trusting the plan. So many victories lately. I mean, such a string of victories. The black pillars or the haters must really be black pilled. Pause it. Because <laughs> we're so black pilled. We're so black pilled, Nick. We're so we're fucked. You've been winning so much lately. You've <laughs> been winning so much. The fucking dissension at off pack three between Stu and Marjorie. Okay, so you know who else is spiraling is uh, Laura Logan, formerly of 60 Minutes. So Michael Shermer tweets, she was so good on 60 Minutes, now she's telling people Charles Darwin was hired by the Rothschilds to write The Origin of Species. No, Charles Darwin was independently wealthy. Nobody's patsy. So now you've gone from being a farmer who may not be able to farm efficiently, who may not be able to feed as many people, but guess what? He could feed... He could grow food year after year after year mm. because who created seeds that are renewable? Like truly, like who created life yep. that is truly renewable? What mm. is the only thing on earth that is actually renewable? Mm. It's life. Yeah. And they can, you know, go back to the big bang theory and Darwin. I mean, when I found out, does anyone know when, who employed Darwin, where <laughs> Darwinism comes from? <laughs> uh, go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, look it up. The yeah. Rothschilds. Yeah. It yeah. goes right back to 10 Downing Street. All the way. And the same people who employed Darwin. Mm -hmm. And that's when Darwin, you know, wrote his theory of evolution and so on and so on. And yeah. I'm not saying that none of that is true. Right. I'm just saying Darwin was hired by someone mm -hmm. to come up with a theory. Correct. Right. Based on evidence. Okay, fine. But, you know, even the people, the scientists, all of the people that can take you back to the Big Bang. What is the one question they can never, ever, ever answer? They can never tell you whatever that was, whether it's the molecules or the energy or, you know, all that stuff. All these scientists like that, you know, that evil, uh, horrible person who's the science advisor to Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum, mm -hmm. who says there's no such thing as freedom. Every, yep. There's no such, you know, there's randomness, but that's not yep. freedom and blah, blah, blah. There's right. probability and there's this and there's that. Right, right, right. They can explain it away any way you like. But yep. how did those things come into being? Yeah. You know, and it was it was a combination of it's that question of what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? You can't answer that scientifically. You just can't because right. something made that into being, yep. whatever it was. So this is Laura Logan going on some QAnon promoting show called And We Know and asked, Does anyone know when who employed Darwin? Where does Darwinism come from? I mean, look it up. It comes from the Rothschilds. So she's been going on right-wing shows, endorsing conspiracy theories. She's invoked Pizzagate, claimed January 6th was orchestrated, just like Charlottesville was orchestrated, called Zelensky a moron and a CIA puppet. She's promoting Rothschild conspiracy theories on a Getter account, including about the Civil War, assassination of Lincoln and Kennedy, and Putin supposedly purging the Rothschild money changers. Man, so some people take a little bite of the red pill and then think about a, a guy I used to do a show with and that took a little bite of the red pill and just spiraled into insanity. I mean, Joe Rogan doesn't know whether or not we landed on the moon in, in 1969. Talking bad epistemics, man. And one manifestation of this crazy downward spiral that people get into is and is Brevik, right? So not everyone who buys into nonsense and conspiracy theories is going to end up like Brevik, but uh, 
quite a lot will. And so this uh, terrific book, One of Us, The Story of a Massacre in Norway and Its Aftermath, talks about uh, Anders Breivik's childhood. So his mother would would bring him, she asked for help. She couldn't, she couldn't uh, look after him. And so she asked for help from the social welfare agencies. And Anders was allocated to a newly married couple in their 20s. And she'd bring the boy to them. But the couple found her rather odd. She asked if Anders could occasionally touch the dad's penis. It was important for the boy's sexuality. He had no father figure in his life, and uh, Anders' mother wanted the young man to assume that role. Anders had no one to identify with in terms of his appearance. He had an older sister. He only saw girls' crotches and did not know how the male body worked. The young couple was speechless. They were too embarrassed to report what she had said. So then his mother goes to the foster home section of the child welfare office. She wanted to have both of her children sent into foster care. She wanted them to go to the devil. She called the court in and said, I think you're just walking out on my children and leaving them to society to live, live their own life. Uh, neighbors called Anders Brevik when he was a kid, Meccano boy, because he was like something made out of a construction set, stiff and angular. So he would sit by these ants who had this permanent path across the, the grass and he would sit there waiting. You're going to die. Got you. And he'd pick them up one by one and squash them. Uh, people found him disgusting. He was cruel to animals. He would keep rats in a cage and poke them with pens and pencils. He caught bumblebees, dropped them in water, then brought them up to the surface so he could watch them drown. So in the 15 years of Anders Breivik's lifetime, first 15 years, the number of non-Western immigrants in Norway had risen fivefold. In Oslo, the change was even more marked. Anders Breivik called himself metrosexual. I mean, doesn't this sound like a lot of people who come to affiliate with a distant right? He dressed up, he wore makeup, he used vitamin-enriched hair products. He ordered Rogaine from America, which promised to stop hair loss and trigger the follicles into new growth. He spent a great deal of time in front of the mirror. Too long, thought his friends, who would laugh whenever he overdid the makeup. When he started wearing foundation, they teased him even more. It's concealer, he objected. In summary, he applied bronzing powder. Kept a whole row of aftershaves in the bathroom. His nose was new. Got a nose job. Uh, according to Anders Breivik, Norway should learn from the U.S., where the key to success was, number one, you're the best. Number two, you can make all your dreams come true. Number three, the only limits are those you set yourself. He was exempted from military service because he was registered as his mother's carer. After she had a serious herpes infection, she was wildly promiscuous. She had a drain inserted in her head. So, and his brevet would continually get into trouble for a very distant right reason. He was behaving like a king, but he was only a toy. Okay, yeah, like, like Richard Spencer. Behaving like a king, but he was only a toy. One of his friends said to him, come out of the closet, Anders. You've got to come out. We're living in the 21st century, for God's sake. Like his friends thought he was gay. Plainly wasn't interested in women. He just pretends. With his makeup and his giggling and his affected voice. What he liked to do most was sit down at the computer and escape from reality. So he spent years playing uh, World of Warcraft. He avoided his friends the computer screen attracted him more and more. He could not be bothered to work out. His diet was poor. He no longer made an effort to dress up and go into town. 
He was sick of partying with friends. He was all into World of Warcraft. Then suddenly in the summer of 2008, he felt like being sociable again. He rang his friends, got together, told them he was working on a book about the Islamization of Europe. And he'd deliver long lectures to them. The Labour Party has ruined our country. It's feminized the state. It's made it into a matriarchy. It's made it into a place where it's impossible to get rich. He started repeating himself. His friends glossed over his peculiarities, the strange behavior, the extreme topics of conversation. They figured soon he'd be back to his old self. When his friends finally told him to shut up, he stopped talking. He could not cope with the transition from didactic monologuing to ordinary chatting. He could only talk about what his friends called his gloomy outlook on the world. In the evening, he relaxed with the vampire series True Blood or an episode of Dexter, a show about a serial killer. It annoyed him that all these series he watched were so keen to promote multiculturalism. Okay, why do people believe such crazy conspiracy theories? Over the past year, as COVID-19 rocketed around the world, conspiracy theories quickly followed. Last spring, dozens of cell phone towers were set aflame across Europe amid conspiracy theories that the 5G towers were spreading COVID-19. In January, a Wisconsin pharmacist was charged with deliberately destroying hundreds of doses of the newly available COVID-19 vaccine because he believed a conspiracy theory that the vaccine would change human DNA. And some people are asserting that the virus itself was engineered by the Chinese. These aren't the only conspiracy theories making inroads right now. A September Pew Research Center survey found that more than half of Americans have heard at least a little about QAnon, the complicated web of pro-Trump conspiracy theories that originated on the message board 4chan. In November, two candidates who voiced support for QAnon theories were elected to Congress. So how do conspiracy theories like these get started and why do they persist? Who is most likely to believe them and why? Is there any way to combat conspiracy theories once they're out there? And what are the consequences for individuals and societies when they spread? Welcome to Speaking of Psychology, the flagship podcast of the American Psychological Association that examines the links between psychological science and everyday life. I'm Kim Mills. Our guest today is Dr. Karen Douglas, a professor of social psychology at the University of Kent in the UK. Dr. Douglas has spent more than a decade studying conspiracy theories, and she joins us to talk about their history, causes, and consequences. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Douglas. Hi, Kim. Thank you very much for your invitation. Hi, hi everybody. So let's start with a definition. That's always a good place to launch. Um, what counts as a conspiracy theory? I gave a few examples in the introduction, but how do you define conspiracy theories in your research? What are their common characteristics? Well, a conspiracy theory um, can normally de be defined as a proposed plot carried out in secret, usually by a powerful group of people who have some kind of sinister goal, so something to gain from what they're doing. And they usually don't have people's best interests at heart, usually their own interests at heart. Some people think that the belief in conspiracy theories has been on the rise in recent years, fueled by social media. But in a paper a few years ago, you concluded that wasn't necessarily true. Instead, you found that conspiracy theories have always thrived during times of crisis and social upheaval, with examples going back as far as the burning of Rome while Nero was away, and that the last decade hasn't been particularly more conspiracy prone than the past. Can you talk about that and how do researchers measure this? Sure. Um, yes, it is definitely the case that, that conspiracy theories have always been with us. It um, Believing in conspiracy theories and being suspicious about the actions of others is um, in, in some ways quite an adaptive thing to do. We don't um, necessarily want to trust everybody and trust everything um, that's happening around us. And so they have always been with us. And to some extent, people are all, um, I guess you could call everybody a conspiracy theorist, if you want to use that term, um, at one point or another. And um, 
And so, yeah, they, they've always been there. People have always believed in conspiracy theories. Um, as far back as, as as we can remember, people have been um, having these conspiracy beliefs and having these suspicions about the um, actions of hostile collectives of individuals. This is just the way the way that we are wired up. Okay, so it's overwhelmingly losers who go into this stuff. Really dropping the dock on your ass and exposing you to a main... And what makes a loser someone who gets out of touch with reality? How do people get out of touch with reality? They fail to connect with people. So I have a friend who's complaining about, you know, all the Lucasms that are now entering my life, such as, you know, what gives or what drains me of energy. Well, the best way to get connected into energy is to be able to connect and create a shared reality with other people. When you can't create a shared reality with other people by having some sort of rhythmic entrainment with other people, then you become isolated and your energy dries up. And then as your energy dries up, your social connections dry up. When you're not connected with other people, you have this desperate need for meaning, which then leaves you wide open to to you know, pursue meaning in a desperate way. When you're desperate, you don't tend to make good decisions. Desperate people seeking meaning uh, turn to really you know crazy stuff like QAnon or some of the more extreme parts of the political spectrum. Stream audience is an insincere faggot. You know, now you're not having any super chats, the merch store's down, no payment processor, Beardson spiraling, losing his mind, trying to shit on and kick off other streamers so he can make more money himself. But the winning is endless. The haters are so blackpilled, you know? Like, how long did he, like, how long after that super chat rant was this part? Like, 20 minutes later. Oh, man. Oh, I love it. Oh. Chef's kiss. Guys, between the slight, I mean, can we even, there's so many victories you forget about the other ones. It's just this. Uh, Elliot says, is the belief in dozens of genders in the same family the same as conspiracy theories? Yes. Yes. Uh, systemic racism, nonsense conspiracy theory. So the, the wokesters uh, are increasingly delusional and uh, much of the distant right also increasingly delusional because both are getting separated from normal human contact. A string of huge, uncontested victories, you know, you love to see it. Yeah, I love when people <laughs> meet me. And... He's about to give us, though, his big victory, his big victory oh, for the month. Is he? Are you ready? Nick's going to no. tell us his crowning achievement. Yes. Okay, hang on. Yes. <sighs> okay. Now I'm ready. And they're like, wow, I thought you were going to be so short and you're actually, you're actually pretty average height. I'm like, thank you so much. I thought you'd be so short. You look so short on the internet there, but you actually turned out to be average in height. Oh, That's oh, his big win. What, I love it. What a win. Like w, W for Nick. You win, bro. That means a lot to me. <laughs> I had a meeting with this guy in uh orlando before the conference and he was like whoa you're way taller than i expected he's like i was expecting you to be like five four and i'm like yeah i know thank you everybody's always lying about me so you're lying about you you're not five four you're five six <laughs> you're two inches Beers taller than i thought it's <sighs> in red pill me i, I remember when i first Listen to that statement. Bring it back five seconds. He just said that Beardson was the one to red pill him. That he was completely ignorant politically before Beardson came along and red pilled him. And he's going to talk about how he used to look up to Beardson as a hero and how Beardson is a legend. 
Okay. I'm like, yeah, I know. Thank you. Everybody's always lying about me. So, thanks. Beardson red-pilled me. I remember when I first talked to Beardson, I was starstruck. Now it's like, whatever. No, no I love Beardson, but... I remember when I was like a junior, senior in high school and I would follow Beardson and Paul Town. Like those guys are still legends to me too. Those guys are still legends in my eyes as well. Paul Town. And I remember seeing Paul Town and Beardson calling each other pedophiles and respawning constantly. And they did the content enemies with Sam Hyde. And I was like, oh my gosh. I remember being on the Weekly Sweat for the first time and being like, mom, dad, I was on the Weekly Sweat. I got to talk to Paul Town and Beardson. Can you fucking imagine? Telling your mom and dad, Mom, Dad, I got to talk to Beardson, the groomer, today. How's Beardson doing these days? Yeah. I'm not Some of the biggest talks. pieces of shit ever. Like, they'll spam docs. <laughs> they'll spam doxes in the chat to try and get me banned. And They're just scumbags. Yeah. If all my fans are absolute retards, then that reflects poorly on me, right? Yeah, it does. <laughs> I guess. You know, like our game up. oh man. you said it, not me i'm not saying we have to we have to stop being funny i'm not saying we have to stop having fun but be nice to me but all of us as human beings all of us as human beings whether we're content creators chatters uh you know mods whatever the fuck we've got it we've, we've all we all have to excel to that next level you know what i'm saying because we have when I drank last week, the comments were brutal. Andy, stop drinking, you're a fucking idiot. You're like, Ralph, don't do this. It's not funny. What did I do? Did I go, hey, ban them all? I, I DM'd you and went, look, I'm going to stop drinking. <laughs> like, because people don't like it. You're yeah. like, fair enough. Maybe they're being uh, constructive with how you're acting or what you're doing. Stop being a bitch, Beardson. They're like, hey, hey, man, chill out. Chill out, Beard, oh. man. Oh, breaking news, Andy. Pantsu has just said on the show that she loves the Canadian accent on guys. Ralph was a bit taken aback by that statement <laughs> on the show. Um, it's his horny for that Canadian. Oh, she watches there. the show. Yeah, she's watching it instead of the kill stream. She's getting really wet, you know. Oh. Kill stream, Pantsu is a desert. Fucking Kino Casino, it's like a fucking ocean between her legs. <laughs> I mean, literally, I mean, and this, is, and this is just the truth. We have so the entire world apparatus ralph's gonna world, beat her after the show dude trying to fucking kneel on our neck yeah. george floyd right now george okay? floyd there we go we Take... this is just the truth thank you beardson there we appreciate you um, uh let's read some of these super that's fucking funny though um uh we are at uh, 200 wow everyone thank you so much for supporting yeah, us yeah uh, generous okay i think that will do it for tonight take care bye bye